0: Hello, <laughs> West Bulls, good morning. Hey, first I'd like to congratulate each and every single one of you for successfully four-wheeling the streets of Littleton, Colorado to get here this morning. Rough trails like Bulls and Wadsworth and crazy trails like that. It's, uh, it was an adventure to get here this morning. Also, before we get going... If you helped decorate uh, this place for Christmas, would you just stand up real quick? We want to say thank you, because it looks phenomenal. Well, uh, again, thank you for being here. I want to ask you a question as we start a series of sermons for Christmas called The Content of Christmas. Have you ever thought, as you think back through the different Christmases you've had, have you ever thought about the word you would use to describe or define Christmas on certain years? I mean, I think back to, and I can remember back to Christmas 1984. I was four years old. And I remember my, my window of my room was iced over. It was a snowy night. And there was this, it was about one in the morning because children are actually up at 1 a.m. on Christmas morning, and there was this flash of light that came by, and my four-year-old brain immediately went, it's Santa, it's Santa. And that was my Santa sleigh thing, and I realize if I don't lay down, I'm in trouble. Um, My adult brain now looks back and goes, that was a car going by your window, Nathan. And then there was 1985. In 1985, um, it it had just been me up to that point, and I had a, there was a baby sister in the picture, 1985. So 1985 Christmas was the invaded Christmas. And uh, I, suddenly mom and dad had to share the money for presents between me and my sister. Um, then there was Christmas 1988. That was the Nintendo Christmas. And I don't mean like the new Nintendo stuff. I mean like 8-bit and it was, we'll show you sometime, okay? Uh, But that was the Nintendo Christmas. 1989 was the uh, deception Christmas because my parents gave me a package of socks and I went, are you joking? What kind of a joke is this? There were Nintendo cartridges inside of it. There was Christmas 1990. Christmas 1990 was a very grateful Christmas. January of 1990, my mom had collapsed at work from a brain aneurysm. And they got her to the hospital, and within 30 seconds of it rupturing, a neurosurgeon was able to save her. And so Christmas 1990, I remember as a 10-year-old kid, I was just grateful. There was Christmas of 1994. I was 14 years old, and that was a very disappointed Christmas. The gift I wanted to give... This girl, Nicole, at school was just my love, and she did not reciprocate. And so it was a very heartbroken Christmas. There was Christmas of 2002. That was a, that was a frustrating Christmas. That was the first year my wife, Kara, and I were married and trying to navigate whose family's house are we going to be at when. It was a frustrating Christmas as we tried to figure things out. There was Christmas of 2005, That was the wrestling match Christmas. My sister and I got into, and and keep in mind, I was 25 years old. She was 20 years old. This isn't seven years old and four years old. 25 and 20, we got into what is still to this day the biggest fight we have ever been in on Christmas Eve. I don't remember what it was about. I just know I won, okay? So 2005, that was a wrestling match Christmas. She's disagreeing with me up there right now. 2008 was the iPhone Christmas, 2012 was a very numb Christmas. We got word on Christmas Eve that my uncle in Australia was surfing. It was on Boxing Day in Australia, and he, uh, he uh, actually died that day. And I remember that next Christmas Day was just numb. I say all this to say, what word, what word will describe Christmas 2019? For you and for me. Because if you're like me, you've probably known Christmas is just like what I just described. The specifics are different, but you've known each of those dynamics. We, we define Christmas to uh, according to what we've gone through, maybe what we hoped for, what we were disappointed over, what burdened us, what we celebrated, what we got, where we were, what location we were in. And yet, as I look back and I think about all those different Christmases, when I summed them up with one of those words, I remember getting to the end of Christmas, and I'd go, 365 days until the next one. And it was as if it wasn't enough. And one of the things I want you to just keep in the back of your mind over the next few weeks as we head into Christmas is really this. The content of our Christmas. The content of Christmas determines our contentment at Christmas and beyond. It really does. When I look at the content of my Christmas, what I would use to sum up Christmas, it has the power to determine my contentment at Christmas. To sum up whether I really experienced Christmas as fully as I could experience it. Now, that was all just from my perspective, all those different descriptions that I gave you. And as you look at Scripture, actually, as you look at the Christmas stories, especially from guys like Matthew, who wrote an account of Jesus' life, Mark, Luke, who wrote accounts of Jesus' life, they would be able to sum up Christmas for us. As you look at their narratives of what happened, there are these human details. There are locations. There was who was there. There was what was there. There was what was going on in the broader context. Matthew, Mark, and Luke gave very human perspectives of Christmas. But there's another guy who wrote an account of Jesus' life named John. And John, he, he took a different approach. John didn't start with any sort of human perspective. John started with God's perspective. Let me read to you just a few lines from where John starts, his perspective on Christmas. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, "...in the beginning was the Word." And the word was with God. What, now, and what is a word? A word is really an expression of something within us. When, when we want to voice, give voice to, and describe what's, what's within us, what do we use? We use words. And John starts with a word, the word of God. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And what happened at Christmas, John says, is that God looked at the world and he said, I love this world so much that I'm going to give this gift. I'm going to give a word that sums up Christmas. Now, that's the giving side. A handful of verses later, John speaks to what the receiving side was like. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That is, God so wanted to give this word at Christmas. He so wanted the world to understand just what they'd been given, but John says the world didn't recognize it, and the world did not receive it. Now, why is that? That's what I want to answer today, because I want to use this passage that we just read as a springboard over the next few weeks to point at some of the reasons we can miss him. We can miss the word that fully embodies Christmas for us. And the tension of that is if you and I had to put a word to Christmas, it never really feels like enough. But John would say, but there's this word, this word that fully encapsulates, fully expresses what God wanted to give at Christmas, and what we can receive at Christmas. And so I want us to actually go to this conversation. It's in John chapter 8, and this is not a passage that you normally hear at Christmas. But there's a conversation that takes place in John chapter 8 that I think so parallels, so parallels what we face and what goes on inside of us, especially at Christmas. And the reason this is fitting is because in John chapter 7 and chapter 8, there is a feast going on. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And many scholars actually believe that it was during the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is celebrated around the time that we're coming into fall, that that's actually the time that Jesus was born. And Jesus decides to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. And if it's true that he was maybe born near that time, then Jesus is on his birthday showing up at this feast. And he begins to have this conversation with a number of people. And he's standing right in front of him Standing right in front of them, and they don't get it. It's as if the world didn't recognize him. And because they couldn't recognize him, they had a hard time receiving him. And as I look at that conversation thousands of years ago, I see these parallels. There are these parallels that I go, oh, I mean, the specifics are different, but I understand. I understand that that's a dynamic that works on me at Christmas time. And that's a dynamic that works on every single person in here at Christmas time. And so, if we could turn to John chapter 8, we're going to land in, in verse 12. And here's where Jesus begins this conversation. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees, the teachers, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness, your Testimony is not valid. I mean, can you imagine? Here's God Himself standing in front of them, and they have the audacity to say, Yeah, your your testimony doesn't work. It, It doesn't work for us because in their law, you actually needed the testimony of two witnesses for your testimony to be valid. And I read that and I started looking at what they were emphasizing and I went, Oh my goodness. Isn't that so what works on us, especially around Christmas time, We care so much about, maybe we wouldn't call it a testimony, but we care so much about what other people have to say about us, don't we? And it really comes into play in Christmas, as we'll get to in a minute, but Jesus answered them. He said, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you have no idea where I come from, or where I am going, and then he hits the issue for us, not just at Christmas, but especially at Christmas, the rest of the year as well. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. Now, nobody likes to admit this, but aren't we all prone to this? I mean, when you go home at the end of the day, and you have your quiet, honest moment, you've got faces in mind that you really care what they have to say, to you, and about you. And marketers, they know this at Christmas. Marketers know how to tap into that inside of us because they'll put things on the shelf that say, yeah, this will make people think more highly of you. I read an article recently about a store that began actually putting just these little recordings around the store, and they just would randomly place them everywhere in front of any product. And as it was on a sensor, and so as people walked by, you know how when you walk through King Supers or in the frozen food section, it, it'll be dark, but then lights will turn on because it senses you coming down the aisle. These sensors will actually, there'll just be a little like high voice that says, pick me, pick me. And I don't know if you've run into it yet, but I thought this is going to be maddening. But isn't it true that that's what the stuff of Christmas really does? It calls out to us and says, pick me. And people will think more highly of you. When we did youth ministry years ago, I came across an article written by a man who said, I've come to the realization that in, in teenagers' lives, many times it's their, what their friends think of them has far more influence on them than God himself. It's not that God doesn't have the capacity or the ability to. It's who a teenager will go to for affirmation or shape their lives around the opinions of. And I read that and I thought, well, that's not just teenagers. That's all of us. Now, if you knew, if you knew that one of the dynamics that works on us at Christmas is what people think of us, if you just knew that, would that begin to shift some things at Christmas time? I think it would. As I thought about it, I thought, man, if I could just remember how much stock I put in the testimony of others about me, that might be a good thing to be aware of, especially come Christmas. I, 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 think, I believe it was Dave Ramsey. He has a quote, but I've heard this attributed to so many people. He said, what we do is we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't know. And I thought, amen. 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 I don't know exactly who that's attributed to, but that's the dynamic, one of the dynamics that's at work on us at Christmas. Well, this conversation continues. Handful of verses later, in verse 21. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And this made the Jews ask, because this is a puzzling statement. This made the Jews ask, is he going to kill himself? Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? And clearly, they've misunderstood what Jesus is getting at. But Jesus is going to explain why they think like this. Verse 23, he continued, you are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. Jesus says, look, the, the reason that you interpreted my statement this way the reason you can't see who I really am is because of what you've become accustomed to. In other words, you care what other people say about you, but you also ca- you're so locked into what you've been accustomed to. H- have you heard of confirmation bias? Confirmation bias is one of these cognitive biases we have when we're presented with information in front of us. And so, for instance, what we'll do is we'll search for We'll interpret, we'll we'll, um, we'll make decisions based on, we'll favor information that affirms our previous experiences. And this is what they were doing. This is actually something that that psychologists and scientists, they've studied about all of us. But this is something they're doing because here's Jesus presenting his truth right in front of them. And they can't see it because the world they've been accustomed to can't even lock into it. This is what happened. This is what happens when you see that that guy or that girl and you think they're perfect. And your friends are telling you there, well, there are like 50 things that are like glaring red flags. But they're perfect to you. This is what happens, and this is a hypothetical scenario, when that one football game that you've looked forward to for weeks and weeks and weeks, and your team's playing their rival. And you don't care if they lose every other game. They just need to win this game. And the game happens and your team gets destroyed. And when it, Knock it off. <laughs> Again, it's, it's a hypothetical <laughs> situation. And then let's just say the next day at church, people come up and they're like, man, did you see it? Confirmation bias does what maybe the pastor did this morning. What game? Well, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. 52 more weeks. And that's what that's what confirmation bias does. When truth is staring us in the face, we can actually look right past it. We can look right past it and deny it because of what we've been accustomed to. But there's another dynamic at work on us at Christmas time and the rest of the year, but especially at Christmas time and you see it as the conversation continues. Verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my word, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, Do you want an accurate measuring stick of who you are? Well, then pay attention to my word. Pay attention to the word that God gave at Christmas time. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. In other words, here's God staring them in the face and they go, no, 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 we're, Abraham's our father. It's Abraham. How can you say that we shall be set free? And and the truth is they can't see their ways because they thought, well, it's good enough that we're physical descendants of Abraham and Jesus is getting at something. He said, well, what about spiritual descendants? Of Abraham, and as you read the conversation, he says, because Abraham, Abraham actually thought about the day that God would be standing in front of you, and he rejoiced. Abraham rejoiced at my day, and yet you can't see it. In fact, he explains it in verse 37. He says, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me, because you have no room for my word. See, they thought they were fine because of who they used as a measuring stick and what they used as a measuring stick. And the truth is, we all have those Abraham areas that we point at that and we say, that I'm okay, I'm okay. It's family, it's profession, it's physical, moral issues. We'll, we'll say I'm fine or I'm not fine and depend on those areas. It's my station in life, it's where I live, it's income, it's savings, it's, it's all kinds of different things that we point at. And that's Abraham. That's our Abraham. And the thing is, if, if, as you look through this conversation, Jesus didn't downplay Abraham at all. He said, if you could only see Abraham, you would do what he did, because he rejoiced at the thought of my day. And yet, the thing they didn't see, and the thing we don't see, especially at Christmas time, not just what other people think, that's working on us, not just what we've gotten accustomed to, but also what we use as a measuring stick. And marketers know that. They know it. And they say, if you have this, you'll have enough. And if you'll have this, you'll have enough. And this is not to downplay gifts at Christmas. In a couple of weeks, you'll see just what gifts can actually do, that they actually can serve a purpose. But we get so accustomed to what we use as a measuring stick. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, Lincoln, Lincoln our six-year-old, I mean, my whole life, we, we've kind of like held ourselves up to a, an actual measuring stick on the wall. And it is just so exciting when you, when you move up that thing because it's hard to come by in our family, okay? And, um, <laughs> and so, and now, I, like I'm coming up on 40 and what I'm dreading is that some of you have actually tried to encourage me and said, you actually start going the other way, Nathan. And I went, what? I, I just kind of thought you keep, you keep going. Anyhow, Lincoln came to me uh, this a couple of weeks ago. He said, Dad, I'm eight feet tall. And I was like, not in this family. Not you, not anybody in this family. And he went, no, I really am. And he was getting upset that I actually disagreed with him. So we went up to, he's got a measuring stick on his wall, but he, instead of going to that measuring stick, he went and grabbed this ruler off of his dresser. And suddenly I understood. The ruler was broken off at about the five-inch mark. And he did that thing where you just kind of roll it one length after another up your body, and he got to eight. And the truth is we all use a distorted ruler. We all have a distorted measuring stick for measuring ourselves. And so at the Feast of Tabernacles, when perhaps was an anniversary, a birthday of sorts for Jesus, as many scholars seem to believe, during that time, they couldn't recognize Jesus right in front of them. And I, I look at that and I wonder if at Christmas time, when we, yeah, we think about Jesus, but do we recognize Jesus right in front of us? Because for them, their focus was what people said about him, what they'd been accustomed to, and what they used as a measuring stick. And at Christmas, we often are affected. By what people say about us, what we've gotten accustomed to, and what we use as a measuring stick. We get so focused on a what. And we begin to sum up Christmas and we put into words and we describe Christmas according to a what. And to all that, Jesus has a reply to them and to us. It's in verse 58. He says, Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. That is, before there was ever a what, there was a who. John said it in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Even the ones that cry out, pick me in the store, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Why reject that? Why reject it? See, at Christmas, before you think about what others say, what you've been accustomed to, or what you use as a measuring stick, there was a who. In fact, I'd say that the content at Christmas, they have a who, not a what as the content of their Christmas. Could you imagine giving somebody a who instead of a what? Would that change Christmas? Would that change Christmas 2019 for you? I want to show you a video that some of you have seen before. This actually goes back. This is the starting point for my wife and I, for Kara and I. Just take a look at this, and then I need to talk to you about it. Get her legs, dude. (laughs) I wish I could show you the few minutes before that moment. That was in Victoria Beach, California, and that was the moment that I said, Kara, I'm giving you a who. I'm giving you myself. But the few minutes before that, it was agonizing to try to get her to that point. Because we went down this, it was a private beach that we snuck onto, and a security guard actually stopped me. When I told him what, he was, what I was doing, he's like, don't tell anybody. So uh, we went down the, the, stair, the stone staircase to the beach, and there's a point where we could go right to come out to where you just saw, or you could go left. And we were with a group of friends who, they all went left because they knew this was happening, and they were going to watch from afar. And Kara, it was just like, I mean, she almost derailed the proposal she almost derailed the act of giving Nathan to her. And, and she was like, well, what are they doing? I was like, don't worry about it. Just let's go this way. She's like, what are we doing? And I was like, she's like, I'm not going any further until, until you tell me. And I was like, can you just go with this? Well, what's around this corner? And the focus was what, 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 where, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? And all I really wanted to do was give her Who? And all God wants to do at Christmas is remind us that he gave us not a what, but a who. It's all he wants to do. And so the question over the next few weeks, what is the content of my Christmas? Let me tell you how this conversation ends in John chapter 8. At this, right after they heard Jesus make that statement... Before Abraham was, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. I mean, can you imagine? They were so focused on what? They would so protect the what? They would so defend the what? That they would actually think about violence against the who? And the verse ends like this. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. As he showed up to the feast, he just slipped in. He slipped right out. I mean, isn't that how Christmas goes? There's all this fanfare. There's all this stuff surrounding the celebration. And then when it ends, it just slips right out the door. And I bet you wouldn't want to miss it. If you knew that Jesus was right in front of your face saying, here I am, and I am yours, I bet you wouldn't want to miss that. And yet, too often, I've had too many Christmases, regardless of what year it was, I've had too many Christmases where I look back on it and I go, it just slipped right out the door. See, when the content of our Christmas shifts from a what to a who, when that becomes the content of Christmas, we become content at Christmas. And so, my hope is that you'll join us over the next few weeks. Because the next few weeks, we're just going to look at some, some practices and some applications and some things you can actually, we can actually do during the week and with our time that will keep us focused on the who of Christmas. And it won't just, it won't just introduce that, but it will keep us there. During a season when everything seems to be speeding up, that we could just pause and we could see just who he gave us At Christmas. And so we look forward to seeing you over the next few weeks as we approach Christmas and we look at the content of Christmas. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who, no matter how many times you've shown up right in front of our face, no matter how many times we've missed it, we get a chance to remember, we get a chance to focus there. Every single year when we celebrate your birth. And so Heavenly Father, this year, maybe every single other year is summed up by a different word and maybe as, as we just honestly reflect, it's been more tied to a what. Lord, would you give us the grace to recognize just who you gave us because you gave us the word that, that fully, fully expresses you, who you are, your heart, your love, and what you wanted to give the world. You gave us Jesus, the name, the word above all the others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.